On today's edition of the Mode Push podcast, we prep you a little bit for Austin. It's coming up next week, but we also get into a couple of the questions of the cost cap that everybody is so grumpy at Red Bull about. How is F1 and the FIA going to handle this? Plus, I run Dan through a true-false that he will have to deal with. Predicting the future of F1 right here on Mode Push. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. One stop. He's with you, Cut. With his Honestly. I've guessed it. I've absolutely guessed it. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. everybody, welcome on in. It's another edition of the Mode Push Podcast right here on the KSL Sports and KSL Podcast Networks. Thanks for being with us. Alex Curie and Dan Jimenez. Uh, we bring this podcast to you, hopefully, as a service to uh, the community. That's why we look at it. Dan Jimenez at his home today, and uh, I'm back here at the studios in Salt Lake City. And Dan, first of all, uh, has... Uh, has Max Verstappen been stripped of the world title yet? Or I'm just trying to figure out when we're going to see that happen. Uh, not yet, but <laughs> I mean, every day is a, you know, opportunity for new information. So who knows what tomorrow brings? I just, I think it's funny because you have the mix of the people who are like, oh yeah, the, the video keeps getting pulled up of when the FIA and F1 were like, this is going to be, if you go over the cost cap, you will lose a world championship and everyone's all about that. And and I think it's the right, I, I don't know. I think it's the right move. You can't, I don't think for a couple million dollars, I think we had this in the F1 chat on our, in our Twitter group that we have together. Somebody's like, was it you that said who has, who of us has not overshot, uh, you know, on a lunch budget and your boss goes, what was this about? You know? And you go, <laughs> and of course the memes came out of uh, the wolf, of, uh, wolf of wall street where, you know, the guy comes in and everybody's mad about how much is being spent on clients. And so there we are. I don't think anything's going to come of it. I don't think anything should come of it. I mean, these hard caps are, one, pretty difficult to understand. I don't know. I mean, tell me what the what the findings were, because I think initially we thought it was just going to be Red Bull, but I think Aston Martin was over by a little bit. And what makes the difference between being over a little bit versus being over in areas that are really kind of the red tape areas you shouldn't be into? Yeah, so the results were that, um, and it was kind of what everybody had speculated coming from Singapore, and that Aston Martin was over, they had a procedural infraction, like they filled out their paperwork wrong, which is the same um, thing that happened to Williams earlier this year. But Red Bull was a uh, more of like a, a minor infraction is what they call it, uh, versus a material infraction. And so minor infraction is 5% or less above the cost cap. 5% doesn't sound uh, like a lot, but 5% off of 145 million is like, you know, seven and a half million dollars. And you can do a lot with seven and a half million dollars. Now, we don't really know if Red Bull was over by a dollar or all the way up to that seven and a half million. There's people floating the rumors of it's like around two million, but nobody really knows. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even if it's two million bucks, that's like a set of upgrades, you know, that's an additional set of upgrades that Red Bull could have brought 
that, you know, Mercedes didn't. So of course you have Lewis Hamilton coming out and being like, Oh, well, if we had had one, if we had had money for one more upgrade, that would have made the difference oh, yeah. in the championship no, for sure. And, uh, and he's dead serious and, about it yeah. too. He's dead serious. He's like, absolutely. We would have, the car would have been, we would have, we would have basically been ahead of everybody. And that's what you have to do though. This is, this is how teams put their elbows out in the off season. That's what's interesting about F1 is teams putting their elbows out in the off season about what other teams are doing is, is it a rate that you don't see in other sports? I don't think. Yeah. What's interesting is that um, other teams actually have the ability to like not protest the final results, but they can like flag to the FIA that they think somebody else is well over the budget, like by April, but Mercedes Ferrari didn't say anything about Red Bull this year up until Singapore. So like they kind of missed their chance. Well, like to, how would you to know though? Kind of have an influence on. How, it. Yeah, how would you know if another team is is going over? Is it just you speculating at that point? You're just like you know the guy yelling out in the stands at the youth football game that there was holding on that play and no one else <laughs> saw it but you. You know, like yeah, that that was Christian Horner's response. Is like how do they know? You know, I don't know about them. And what's interesting is like it sounds like the FIA is just maybe counting the numbers differently, and or they're classifying certain expenses as part of the cost cap that uh, Red Bull wasn't. And it's so funny that like they came out and said it was, um, you know, catering because oh, yeah. so many great memes have come out of the whole catering thing. Like I think my meme of the week was, um, you know, that, that American chopper meme where the, the, yeah. the father and the son yelling are at, each other. at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like Adrian Newey expensing wings and they're saying you, <laughs> you can't expense wings. And they're like, it's the same kind of wing, like chicken wings. Right. And he's, Adrian <laughs> right. Newey throws a, throws a front wing at the accountant. It's just, it's too good. There's, there's so much stuff out there. But, well, and this is a weird, uh, here, here's the thing. So in, in the American sport kind of side of things, the NFL has a hard salary cap. And and that's the most popular sport here, you know, by far, you know, Barna, in terms of like watching uh, the the amount of money and revenue that is that is tied up in TV, things like that. The viewing per capita is also just you know through the roof. The NFL is the standard of like you know American sports, professional sports. They have a hard salary cap. There's no version of and in the NFL in the NBA, it's you have a salary cap, and if you go over it, we have uh, some penalties that if you're willing to pay, we're cool with it. And that's that tax. You, you get the luxury tax, luxury and then, tax, right? And you get the luxury tax, and then the next year it's the repeater luxury tax. which actually just kind of compounds on top of it. And there are teams like you know the Golden State Warriors and in, in the NBA that are willing to pay. This last season, I think with taxes and everything and payroll, it was like four hundred million dollars, right? And that's an insane amount of money. Four hundred million dollars. I mean, now consider what the cost cap is for these guys in F one. That is, and and of course the majority of the 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 numbers that these teams are dealing with is. Or that's just salary for players, which is the number one expense, obviously. But you know, in this, yeah. this is different because these are materials. They can pay their, they can pay their. Uh, I'm assuming that that salaries are not part of what that that cap is because they because the driver salaries are all over the place anyway. Yeah, yeah, driver salaries are not included, but like development, any engineers that are working on development that is included. And I've and learned so, yeah, how it's really more about that. Right. That, and I've learned how expensive budget. we've learned how, how expensive the wind tunnels are now. You know, like when people <laughs> talk about wind tunnels, I'm like, whatever. Just like I think my sixth grader could build one. They're like, nah, there's like one in Europe and one, you know, it, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and just the idea of how. And, and then there's the penalties that have also been brought up. W- what are they looking at then? Because I don't think world championship. I think some points might come off of constructors, but I think it's not going to be that significant. The thing is, is this is new too. this is a new territory. 
So immediately going to this cost cap where teams were paying a kajillion a kajillion dollars, and then going to this is how much you're paying to go over by you know a fractional amount. I, I I'm I'm on the side of I, I want to err on the side of it being good racing, and not being uh you know so rigid that in this first year. But I do think they should go to a harder cap, and I think that at some point when it's not a year that they're changing everybody's cars and everybody's regulations, that you'll have a little bit better of an idea and it will be more strict. The problem is you're going to have teams who do go over in these more strict years and they're going to be like, well, Red Bull didn't get anything. So there, there are problems all around with this thing. And as usual, I, I think that the, I think F1 and the FIA have kind of screwed things up just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What's written into the rules in terms of what the FIA can do to somebody who has like a minor uh, overreach of the, of the budget it's a whole slew of kind of anything under the sun. It can be fines. It can be deduction of uh, constructor points or driver points. It could be loss of wins. It could, they could be, you know, reduce wind tunnel time. They could have their cap reduced uh, for next year. Like they just wrote down every possible bullet point and then just left it totally subjective for them to consider on a case by case basis, which leaves us all guessing right now. Um, and, makes it i think the job harder for the fia to justify every time somebody goes over the cap to justify like what the penalty is going to be because it's not you know um written kind of in stone exactly what the the penalty is and it's so funny because this morning like the news came out that uh toto wolf was quoted as saying like well i'm just gonna go wild next year if if red bull is okay. only gonna get a slap on the hand sure then like he, he, here we go here comes the 400 million dollar budget and we're gonna we're willing to pay it because they're mercedes but i i think that um what i would like to see i think um i think uh, let me say what i think is likely to happen and then what i'd like to see what i think is likely to happen is they get you know some ratio of like five times whatever they went over you know it's if you're over by two million you got to pay a 10 million dollar fine um i, I think possible but less likely is that they get constructor championship points removed um and i think very unlikely is that they do anything to red Bull, uh, to max's championship from last year i think that's pretty much off the table but what i would like to see is you know maybe something more like the the salary cap that we see in um you know in american sports where it's just a, a defined tax that um the teams have to pay i think the problem with that is that these teams can always just go out find and find more and more money. And we're mm. just going to get back to where we were yeah. with, um, with, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull spending the most. The well, one idea I saw floated. No, I was just going to say ahead. like, the, I guess the comparison would be also that, I mean, and then you have baseball, <laughs> which is what F1 was before this year, which is however much money you have, that's how much you can throw at it as much as you want. If you're a small team, figure it out, but you're going to be competing on the same field. That's that's the the gripe that people have had in baseball, obviously, because the Yankees and the Dodgers can have $200 million payrolls and the, uh, you know, the, famously you have the Oakland a- uh, Athletics who are, you know, usually the salary of one or two players from the Yankees is the entire team <laughs> salary for, and that's not even exaggerating, right? It's like maybe one and a half of some of these best players on some of these other teams. Which, when you look at it, you go, how on earth do they even have a competitive league? And that's why, you know, these teams that are smaller that are able to compete are supremely impressive. But it's also just, it stinks because it's the, it, we just want competition. That's what sporting is all about, right? And especially the highest yeah. level of motorsport, you can't, just because you have a lot of money. I mean, I know it's a sport with a lot of money, but but it's just so much better to have a cap. And I think you do have some leeway here. And that's not me trying to just. I don't care if Max wins the world championship or not. 
But certainly Red Bull, I mean, has done so much this year to just be head and shoulders above everybody else. And it's way more than just being like, oh, it's because they spent the extra two and a half million dollars on, on development. That's not right. And so I'm glad they're not going to totally kill them over this thing. But at some point you do have to say, we don't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, to kind of put it in perspective, if Red Bull goes seven million over, I saw a stat that seven million is um, used to be like Sauber Alfa Romeo's entire development budget. Like it's this power law of what people are spending on development or what it has been over the last, you know, decade or two of, you know, these backmarker teams are really like, a t- you know, a tenth of the development budget of the larger teams. But what, going back to what I was, uh, you know, hoping that they go to or just an idea I saw thrown out there, which I think would be really interesting, is um, correlate to how much you go over the cost cap to how much added weight you have to run on your car the following year. So maybe it's like a kilogram for every million you go over. And I think that would get the team's attention real quick because there's nothing worse on a race car yep. than, than extra weight. Yeah. And, you know, I think you'd, you'd see people, uh, I think that weight on a race car is a bigger detriment than actually, you know, paying a tax. So Ooh, I like it. Um, you have the, obe- yeah, you, get the you get the, uh, you get the obesity uh, fine. You, your car is going to be a <laughs> fat <right>. car. <laughs> You're going to be running on. Cause what's the, fat what's tax. the weight limit now? It's like uh seven ninety eight, right? Something like that. Something along those yeah, lines. 798 yeah, like kilos. 800 kilos. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But going back to your point, like, I mean, yeah, Red Bull went over by a little bit, but I don't, I, I think that that hasn't made, I don't think it made the difference last year. And I don't think that's made the difference or given them a head start for this year. I think the difference this year comes down to one person. Well, Max Verstappen is obviously an incredible driver, but so is Lewis Hamilton. And, you know, so is Charles Leclerc. But I think the, the difference maker this year is Adrian Newey, the, the chief um, technical officer at, at, uh, uh, Red Bull and you know maybe in another episode we could go a deeper dive at Adrian Newey and his background but he in the the RB18 I think is the the number for this car this year is uh, he just developed an absolute uh, incredible race car that Max was able to run to you know its full potential um, and there's some really unique things that Adrian uh, designed into this car he's just kind of he's like the Michael Jordan of aerodynamicists <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was able to design this car in a, uh, in a way that was very different than what Red Bull had been doing previously. But um, this guy's just the goat of uh, F1 car designers and he's done it again. And he's he's won. He's had winning championship winning cars in every decade for like the last three decades. And he just he's done it again. Uh, in terms of what we've learned about. You know, because now because now we're, we're we're getting into the point where one Red Bull is going to be the constructor champion unless they you know throw some wild you know point deductions for 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 this that we wouldn't see coming necessarily. I don't see that happening. But and then you have a world champion uh, in Max Verstappen already, and then you have four races left. So what's the part that I would be excited about if I'm an F1 watcher? You know, the rest of the way through, what are the biggest fights that are still happening right now? I know Alpine and. Uh, McLaren are still, you know, kind of uh, going at one another and trying for that uh, that fourth position there. But what are the more important or, or the the kind of the the cooler storylines maybe that you're looking forward to the rest of these four races of the year? Yeah, uh, there are a whole slew of updates coming um, to a bunch of different teams for Austin through the end of the year. So Mercedes, uh, it w- was um, talking about it this week. And they're excited to bring their kind of latest aero updates and um, that they've been able to get weight out of the car. 
think they started the year something like 10 kilos above the, the limit and they've had a hard time getting the car uh, lightened up. So uh, they're uh, planning on kind of being a, a lighter car and a better aero package for Austin. And they're looking at these last four races as uh, kind of the true test of how they're going to look next year. So if you're watching these last four races, which I highly recommend everybody does, it's going to be a window into what could uh, next year's competition look like. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And, and like you said, um, Alpine uh, and McLaren are fighting uh, Mercedes and Ferrari are fighting. Like you go down the list and it's like everybody pairs up and they're in pretty close uh, competition on uh, constructors points. And all of those positions uh, make a difference for how much money uh, prize money the constructor gets at the end of the year. So right. I, I think that those midfield fights are going to be pretty entertaining too. I was, uh, there are a couple things here. I have a, I have a little mini, uh, it's not a quiz. It's a hypothetical, <laughs> but I'm going to hold you to all these answers. So even though there's oh, no boy. right answer, at some point in the future, I'll bring it up and be like, but you said back in October of 2022, <laughs> this, what do you stand by there now? So what we'll do is I'll roll out a scenario for you and you give me, uh, an idea on whether or not that thing, just give me a, a true or false and maybe a little bit of a, of a, of an understanding as to why that will or will not happen. So uh, here's the first one right off the bat. Lewis, Lewis Hamilton will win his eighth world title and be the all-time world championship leader over Michael Schumacher. At some point, he'll win that eighth title. I'm going to say true. You think, think they're going to be able to put this... it together during the time he's still driving? Because what? how long – what's the what's the length of uh, – of the uh, Lewis Hamilton life in the in the seat of the race car, so he said. So he has one year uh, left on the remaining contract, but he's recently was quoted as te- as saying that he's got five years left in him. Okay. So I'm thinking on a five year timeline. I believe that Mercedes is going to catch up to Red Bull sometime in the next five years, and I think that Lewis will be fast enough to be able to win the championship. So I'm going to go with that more likely than not. So I'm going to go true on that. Okay. Uh, Mick Schumacher, his his future is still undetermined, right? We're still trying to figure out what exactly mm-hmm. is going to go on with him. I'm I'm kind of in in the idea of that this guy will be in a Haas seat, and maybe he'll kind of earn his keep a little bit more in F1. I, although I don't know what people's obsessions are of being like, yeah, he didn't make it. See you later. Maybe I'm seeing something that somebody else wouldn't. But if the if F1 does love a name and a sponsor getter and you know Mick Schumacher fits all those bills and I frankly think he races better than some of the guys on the grid uh but Mick Schumacher will earn a podium at some point in his career I'm gonna go with true on that one as well okay how does it what's the path to that does that mean Haas is gonna get there or he's gonna join a team that actually puts a car together a little bit better no, I think that he just stays in the sport and keeps working his way up. I think he'll have the talent and the backing to be able to get to a, a team that can finish on the podium. So, uh, yeah, I think it's true. And, gosh, maybe my heart is telling me too much because all of us would love to see it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here's one. Red Bull won't win the Constructors title in the 2023 season. I'm going to say false. How long is I their reign going to last? <laughs> I mean, the last time they got, uh, you know, a dynasty going, it was four years with Sebastian. So it could be, could be three to four years. I mean, Max is in his, is in his prime. Uh, and they seem to have this car figured out faster than anybody else. But, uh, I think Mercedes Ferrari catch up over the course of the next few years, but I think that, uh, next year they win the constructors championship. 
I was speaking of Sebastian Vettel. I was reading a an article uh, put out by Aston Martin. They have this little series on their website uh, called Undercut, and they interviewed him. Seb has become like the most cerebral. Like uh, I don't know if there's a hippie on the if there's a hippie on yes. the. Uh, <laughs> is that a good way to put it? Like he the hair matches too, but he's he's very much like a he's taking a holistic view to racing, and like he is taking a yeah, different. He's- He's taking a different path from what from what most people are doing, and it's probably the reason that he's getting out of racing because there's maybe not that edge that he used to have. But I like this version of Seb because he feels more. It feels like he's more confident in what he's doing and what he's saying and all those things. He said in this article, though, Dan, uh, no one will remember me, and at the same time, it was like this. Also, this other thing, like, and that's okay because why would you want to remember somebody who's you know. Uh, not performing in that sport at that moment. Life's too short to care about, you know, all these other things going on. And the example he gave was, we have a new king now. It's King Charles, but it's not the first King Charles, and it's not even the second one. Do you remember the other ones? And, and, and the answer is, oh, yeah, he makes a point. I guess in time we're all forgotten if we're looking at the full picture. But uh, Sebastian Vettel will not be remembered in the sport of F1. I think that's definite false. He will be remembered. <laughs> yes. Four-time I mean, champion. Come on. Yeah. Four-time champion. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a top five driver. I think you think so. Definitely like, top 10. When it all shakes out just in the next, like, you know, little while that, that that's the way, because I think he kind of uh, shortens his, and, and it's tough because this is like so many other sports where it's a, what have you done for me lately thing in every high, high level of sports. Right. And so, the the performance level from somebody is usually – our judgment of them is what the most recent version of them was. And it's unfortunate because he won his titles, what, uh, was it uh, 12 through 16? 11, 12, oh, 10, 13, 11, 12, 13. So even further along. Yeah, right. I mean, we're talking more than almost 10 years on from the last time he won a championship. And so – and people look at Ferrari as a failure, a time of failure for him there. Um, I think people look at Aston Martin and go, well, Aston Martin – sucked it wasn't that seb did you know and and so people just remember the guy kind of riding around these last few races and and it felt like a farewell tour so hopefully his uh prognostication's wrong yeah and you know we saw that with michael schumacher too he had his mclaren mercedes uh, era too after you know all the ferrari championships and so um you know uh, alonzo has been running around for a while now post uh you know his championships in the in the 2010s so I don't think that that's a, a mark on his career. I think everyone will remember all the, you know, wins that he had in championships. And so, um, and, and I love like your description of him. I've been kind of thinking of him as, is he's gone granola and, uh, <laughs> it works. he's got that hairband. Yeah. He rides his bike to the track. Like he's, he's just a different vibe, which, uh, is, you know, fun to see he's relaxed and, um, yeah, I hope he enjoys his retirement. Uh, I've got a I've got a, a fun one for you here, George Ru- uh, George Russell. Obviously, uh, he's had a pretty interesting year. I think he's performed pretty well considering the car that he's had. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, he's and he scored. I think about what the rest of his career was before this, and he scored two hundred plus points. You know, this year on the grid, and so uh, very successful considering that uh, Mercedes has been under par on the performance side of things compared to the other cars. But Fernando Alonso who heads to uh, Aston Martin, right, Uh, next season. Mm -hmm. Fernando Alonso will win a race before George Russell does. 
Uh, false. <laughs> what? What about the false. old Wiley veteran? Uh, you don't have very much faith no. in that in that Aston Martin car. That's why. If he was an Alpine, no, it's more the car. I think he might. I don't know why he's not saying an Alpine because I think next year when everything's dialed up, yeah. and I think Mercedes will make some steps. But Fernando's been in a really good car for this year, and like they've been close. That's why I'm just wondering. It's, yeah, yeah, he has been in a good car, and I think it's going to get even better. Uh, Ocon was saying that the updates that they brought to Japan really uh, upped the level of competitiveness of the car. So well, I think hey, that maybe he is, does is on a great trajectory. Maybe and Alonso so, wins one before the season's out, then, and George Russell does. That's a that's an interesting prediction. That is possible. I could. See, uh, if he doesn't get it done in the next four races, then I'm going to say not. no. George George <laughs> wins his first his first race. Yeah. Uh, so Pirelli is uh, throwing shade at uh, at F1 and and uh, and FIA and saying that uh, it's their problem for some of the lower standard or some of the the low performance on on the uh, on the wet wet tires. I don't know why they're throwing shade. I mean they're the tire producer, but we've seen a different number of tire producers over the years. Pirelli will always be the tire uh, producer for F1 in the next seven years. Oh man, that uh, that is interesting. Uh, I'm gonna say you're saying over the next seven years. Yes, because I think that the yeah. contract. I, I I don't know yeah. when the contract ends, but I think it's just in the next three or four, and then they have to make a decision. But I mean, certainly we've seen other tires in the sport before, and it seems like, and it's a real bummer when you have to talk about it. it it's like when you don't like talking about equipment when it comes to sports, right? Getting in the way. Like it's one thing to talk about, Oh man, that engine broke down, but we're always going, these tires suck or it doesn't make it as fun or whatever. Pirelli is uh, oft painted as the, uh, as the bad guy because of those, because of these tires. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of a lose lose for them because they've brought everything. When I first got into the sport, and maybe you were like this too, Dan, where you're watching and there were 19 different shades of colors of of all the, uh, of the tires they were driving. And I'm as a new person in the sport, I was like, what the heck is this pink versus purple versus like all these different shades of, okay, so soft and ultra soft and super soft. So what's the difference between super soft and ultra soft? Which one's softer? And what the heck are they talking about? I had no idea what tire degradation really was like compared. So, and then they've gone back to a little bit of a better system, but even then every weekend, even though there's red, uh, white and yellow, it doesn't necessarily mean that those are the same compounds because they switch from week to week. I don't know. I think they're still trying to get their head around these tires, and certainly when you throw a new, uh, when you throw an 18 inch wheel on it, things get a little bit different. So they're still testing things out. I don't know. Yeah. So Pirelli in the future. Yeah, it, it's um, it's interesting because like the comparison to other sports, and like nobody get nobody is really interested in if the equipment is getting in the game. Like right. that's kind of a bummer. But man, for for any form of auto racing. The most important part on the car is the tires. That is that will make the biggest difference on performance. And so, like, they have to have a single source supplier for all this. And I, I think they have made it a bit easier to follow um, in recent years. I mean, I remember watching the USGP from uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They were like 2005. And like only five cars started, started the race because all the tires were blowing out in the last corner and nobody wanted to you know, put their drivers at risk and like literally five cars started the race. And that was, I remember being a huge debacle, but um, yeah, I think, I think Pirelli is as much as they like to bicker with the FIA, it's kind of like the double, you know? So my guess is Pirelli stays the, the uh, single tire supplier for a long time. I think one thing they do need to do is they got to figure out what the deal is with these wet tires, because you, you know, in um, Japan, it's 
pouring down rain and everyone's starting on the intermediates. Nobody's going to the full right. wets mm-hmm. because, you know, the performance difference is in terms of time Huge. is just so dramatic. Yeah. And you have the, um, the problem with like the wet tires, um, they, ex- you know, ex- like they spit out so much water uh, that it create the visibility is just terrible. Like if everybody had started that race on the wets, the visibility would have been even worse. Yeah. I think this, I read some stat, it's like 85 liters a second when they're going like 200 kilometers per hour. That's like a bathtub of water <laughs> per second that these, that like, it just like spits up into the air as a vapor that these cars are driving through. Right. And so the, if, if they're only driving, if you ever only see the teams on the intermediate tires, I think they should make a wet that is more like the current intermediate and then make a new intermediate that's somewhere between the current intermediate and a full slick that like actually, um, you know, is, is usable so that we actually have two wet tires that get used and not just one. Um, I was just reading that uh, Haas has called a press conference before uh, the race next week on a, on Thursday, kind of just a Haas only they haven't announced who the who the participants in the uh, press conference are going to be. Probably going to be surrounding an announcement of retaining or moving on from uh, Mick Schumacher. I was thinking about Hazo as a team. It's the only American-owned team, and they've had certainly their amount of troubles. And uh, Gunter Steiner will be the boss at Haas still uh, in the next three years. Ooh. I could have so said, beloved by I know he is. I could have said Haas will be a team in three years. <laughs> you could it might not even be a, <laughs> yeah. a worse outcome. I mean, I don't know. He's he's so beloved by the fans and for people that I know, including my own brother who have actually worked for him, they 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 really look up to him. But Gene Haas is uh, as cutthroat of owners as they right. come. And so I I'm gonna go false on that. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that they pull in somebody new. Um and it, I don't know, maybe it's an American, who knows, but on that, the note of the uh, press conference. So I, my hot prediction, and um, I mean, this is coming from other people too, is that um, Haas is going to announce uh, American F um, F2 driver, uh, a Logan Sargent as the new driver for next year. That's going to be my guess. Wow. So we're going to have an American at Haas. And it's uh, this kind of this kid that I haven't really heard much about until uh, recently. I know, and I, apparently, I've actually seen a couple of uh, IndyCar races, and I and the name is familiar because he's on you know he's on that grid, and you see the name part you know sometimes, but nothing about him. So I, this is so funny to yeah. me how it works. Like, so why not Colton Herto? Is it just because he yeah. doesn't have the ties to to Haas? Well, I think he's an F two where Colton Hurd is an IndyCar. And oh, I, think I know what F two gets so he has the super points. More, yeah, yeah. I think he's more on track to get the super license points. Yeah, but I, I think it's like he has to hit finish either where he's at or a little bit ahead of where he is in the championship right now to qualify. So there could be a situation where they announce, "Hey, Logan Sargent's going to be our driver next year," but he's got to finish well in these last few races yeah. in order to qualify for his Interesting. points. Interesting. So yeah, um, something to watch for. I've got another one just off the top of my head here. The uh, there will still only be one American team in F one in the next five years. Yes, I think in the next five years, it's only Haas. Uh, if if Haas makes it that long, I think on the time scale of ten years, I think we see another American team come in. Oh man, backed by backed by an American uh, manufacturer. So like maybe a works team then coming out of like Ford yeah. or out of uh, out Ford of GM. Or, Ford or GM. 
Yeah, I like that's that idea. My, that's my bold prediction because I like I like the idea that the it doesn't have to be just like a, because what happens with these bil- billionaire owners are a lot of I mean it's not that Gene Haas doesn't know anything about racing obviously he does, but when you are built with a background of racing already and uh, you have a kajillion dollars behind it and engineers who are already in the building and you have the ability to be able to hire really great engineers then that's the way to do it. And mm-hmm. and look, I'm not a big Ford fan. I was never really a big Ford fan growing <laughs> up or GM necessarily, but mm-hmm. but like if there's a Ford racing team, that's going to be successful. Like if they really put backing behind it, if they really r- jump into it and that's I feel like the way that they do it anyway. Uh and that's the way that that's their whole history is that. Like jumping in and giving yeah. a big middle finger to the European teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my former uh, employer when I was in racing was Ford Racing, and it's a great organization. Um, they run independent of, you know, Ford Motor Company, right. but there's still still a ton of support from motor a Ford Motor Company. I remember, um, gosh, which Ford, not Edsel Ford, one of one of the Ford guys, uh, descendants, <laughs> of, the heirs of the of One the of Ford, a little bit Ford more Fortune of the, uh, one of the, one of the more successful kids that wasn't Edsel, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah, he came down and, you know, would talk to us and stuff. So there's a lot of support there from the corporate side of things. Um, but yeah, well, the, CEO, I mean, the, choose, the CEO Ford of Ford, uh, what's his name? Farley's the last name, right? Um, yeah, it's Chris Farley's brother. Yes. Uh, he is a massive race fan. So like, mm-hmm. I know that they're not the, they're not the same, but at the same time, like uh, to be able to have that kind of backing and somebody who's like really high up and wants to have that type of uh, Jim, yeah. it's uh, Jim Farley, Jim Farley. Yeah. Yeah. To think that uh, yeah. they went from just a small time Callahan auto parts in, uh, <laughs> in Indiana <laughs> to be able to be the CEO of a, a Ford, a Ford, uh, the Ford motor company. Like, <laughs> It just sounds like a joke almost. Yeah, it's really crazy. Uh, Okay, Dan, I think that's where we're going to end it here. Hey, fun round of uh, of the of of the true false there. That kind of gives us an idea of the uh, of how things should go. So uh, we've set the standard, and we're going to hold you to all those. By the way, if you make any of those predictions correct, (laughs) you're going to have to just wave that in front of me forever too. So, uh, all right, we'll jam again next week in preparation for Austin. Looking forward to it, Dan. Have an amazing week, dude. You too. Thank you. All right. We'll take the break here. We'll come back for another edition of Mode Push next time. Tell your friends, teach them about F1, and tell them about the podcast. Mode Push. See you then, everybody. 